0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to a different kind of episode of Renegade Dude Bucks on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. I'll be your captain for this evening. Joining me, as always, is the Super Saiyan death metal god, Nick.
1: And guys, the shit we do for you.
0: Yeah, we happen to stumble upon a bargain bin full of um, an interesting collection of new metal records. These are six of the worst new metal albums that we happen to stumble upon. Now, before we reveal these titles, we've got a couple ground rules. First of all, this is not a, a ranked list by any means. Like, we'll break this down into categories, but we're not going to go in any, in any qualitative order.
1: It, it kind of is though, because they do kind of get worse as they get along, though. Sure next rule though it must be a new metal album that came out during the peak of its popularity because you got to remember from 1995 to like 2003 roughly this was the biggest style of music ever we could put in garbage like Attila and Mirror, but that's just way too much garbage for us to listen to and we could put the path of totality by corn in there but yeah that's long after the genre had died off
0: and we also want to avoid any easy targets so that's why we're not covering stained or kid rock or that god-awful vanilla ice um, record where he attempted to reinvent himself thanks to ross robertson
1: yeah um fun fact did you know that the record label that vanilla ice was on tried to build this reinvention as the way john travolta reinvented himself doing pulp fiction
0: oh my god they didn't
1: they did they totally fucking did (laughs) (laughs) that's how pop that's how popular this shit was back in the day man like look it just to kind of get this out of the way I guess like yeah it could be easy for us to dunk on new metal but at the same time there was plenty of good stuff that came out in the genre these six albums are not that yeah
0: we, we specifically went with these
1: records because A. nobody
0: cares about these bands anymore B. for at least one of these records there's at least something interesting to talk about and then what we'll tease at the end of this episode is we kind of have a point starting with this record because there's one new metal band in particular that really just deserves its own episode. But before we get there, how are we breaking down these six records?
1: So first category is bad, but not as bad, the more heavy side of new metal, because I really feel like there's three sects of this genre basically so you have the heavier side that maybe the goth kids back in the 90s would have been into that would have been popular with them then you have the butt rock side of things which that's self-explanatory there was plenty of new metal that basically blurred that line between ass rock and just trying to sound like corn And then we have two albums that are so, like, look, if anybody listening to this podcast likes any of these albums, good on you. I don't get why you like them, but I'm going to let you enjoy them to some degree. These two albums, there's nothing defendable about them. They're really awful.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. So
1: I think Mike, you want to start, and then I'll I'll kind of unleash hell on my pick.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we're going to um merely dip our toe into the discussion with a debut record that I only kind of remember. If anyone remembers the band Edema, um, their debut self titled record came out in two thousand one, and really the only reason I remember this is because one of the lead singles, in fact, the lead single, Giving In, showed up on a volume of Now That's What I Call Music. And I believe it was volume nine. And this was like really my first exposure to the band. And honestly, it's it's the most exposure I've had up until recently when I gave the album like a fair chance. And honestly, this is about as... um, as generic a new metal record as you could like you could ever have especially towards like closer to the end of the genre's peak
1: the main thing is it really does feel like an album that's just looking up to its literal stepbrother because you got to remember Mark Chavez he's the half-brother of Jonathan Davis from Korn and like the comparison that was going through my head before I had to listen to this record was, man, corn were just way more inner like regardless of whatever you think of corn, whatever you criticisms you have against corn, valid or not, they had a unique sound and style, and Jonathan Davis had an interesting story that translated into its lyrical content. Oh, absolutely this just feels like a no name brand version of corn with some incubus sprinkled in there
0: you know you know how in movies and tv shows like they'll they'll describe um like they'll describe a band with like all these superlatives but then you listen to the music itself and it's just kind of generic filler that's that, that's basically this album
1: The only real compliment I can give it is the production hasn't aged like milk.
0: Yeah, this this one actually sounds halfway decent.
1: Yeah, like everything's mixed and leveled proper, but it's not like too polished. So I can at least, I can at least like stand to listen, like gun to our heads. I think between the two of us, this would be the album. If we had to hear it again, we wouldn't have too much of an issue making it through.
0: Oh yeah. Um, and as, as for like that lead single giving in that, that's, you know, it's, it it's a fine track. It's like a three out of five at best. It's, it's one of those songs that like I can totally understand why this would be the lead single. The next one, however, is honestly very gross. Um, it's called the way you like it. And ac- according to Wikipedia, the meaning is uh, the song is about how fame changes people, how it can control people, and how it changes people into somebody they are not. Um, that's that's the song they were trying, that's the message they were trying to convey, but Nick, how would you dest- describe the actual lyrics?
1: Sleazy. Not as sleazy as one of the albums coming later, but it just sounds like Man, this would not be too far out of place on a Nickelback album. No, I'm just gonna be honest; it's pretty grody to listen to. It's not a fun track. And weird enough, just looking at Wikipedia, apparently they somehow roped Chester and Joe from Lincoln Park to be in the music video.
0: How they managed that, I'll have no, I'll have no idea.
1: Ozfest in the early 2000s was a weird place, Mike. Um, anything else you want to add about Edema? Because I think I'm ready to get into my pick.
0: Honestly, I don't know what else I, cu- I can say.
1: Okay, I do not get the appeal of this band. I do know that there are some people from, like, the late 90s who do enjoy this band. And good on you. I really understand why. But at the same time, I'm also going, Why? <laughs> Um, that album in question is Cole Chamber's self-titled debut now story time kids I actually at the beginning of this year got curious and went back and listened to all three of those old Cole Chamber albums god they do not hold up especially this one in particular like oh my fucking god you would think an album produced by Jay Gordon of orgy fame would make this sound much better than it actually does, but no, it just sounds like it's trying way too hard to be Deftones, Corn and Pantera, but not knowing why all of those bands are great.
0: That's kind of a common theme with a lot of
1: these records. And we
0: also we also tried to pick mostly debut records
1: not really (laughs) it just happened that was just kind of the thing with new metal at that point it's just a band could it was that point in time where a band could get popular on their debut album and yeah that or the second one but no with uh with Cole Chamber my main thing is just that it's all very recycled sounding it's literally just you have the creepy too spooky for me like higher up on the uh higher sounding notes of the guitar section and then the corn riff that and you know which song i'm referring to loco it's literally just goes into the heavy riff goes into the verses goes into the chorus repeats the opening riff the opening heavy part and then goes back into the verse again then cuts to the chorus no pre-chorus or interesting bridge or any melodies that, you know, kind of hook you in or any grooves that, you know, just make you want to move. It literally is just verse, chorus, verse, chorus. That's the song for like three to four minutes. And that pretty much describes
0: um a lot of this record. There's there's just way too much repetition uh, in general.
1: And these just aren't as interesting of musicians as, say, in terms of the drums. It's uh, again, I've I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I don't personally consider Slipknot a new metal band, but it doesn't have any of the drum patterns that Joey Jordison had on that first album. It doesn't have any interesting bass work the way Fieldy does in Corn. It doesn't have any fun riff ideas. Uh, Again, not really a new metal band but the way system of a down would come up with their riffs it's just and honestly as big of a devil driver fan as i am and as great as des sounds in that band it just sounds like he's just trying way too hard to be edgy on this thing
0: yeah i don't even know if i'm that big of a devil drivers fan but i'm definitely not a fan of what he's attempting to do here
1: yeah, it's very much of its time period, and I tried judging it on its own merits just through the lens of 2022, and I just can't help but go, man, this is just dull. And casually racist, too, with one track in particular.
0: Oh, is it, uh, is it the one that I'm thinking of?
1: A Mirror of the Desert. Yeah. Uh, and then pig literally just makes me laugh because I listen to brutal, slamming death metal and that <laughs> that style of music literally is mostly just pig squeals. But at the same time, that actually has musical chops behind it and something interesting going on in the music. C bands like internal bleeding and ingested. But here, no lie. Des doing pig noises just makes me laugh. (laughs) Uh anything you want to add about coal Chamber? Because I feel like I kinda I feel like I pissed off the Coal Chamber fan base.
0: If if you have to listen to to any um Des uh Fafara project, um just listen to Devil Driver. Or if you want a better sounding new metal new metal um, band um soulfly is probably a better option.
1: Yeah the first couple Soulfly albums when when they were in the new metal category. Yeah, just go jam Soulfly. You're gonna have a much better time. And it has loads of guest appearances that are pretty legit. Um do you want to go next or do you want me to go next with the first dive into the butt rock category?
0: Um I'll I'll take this next one. Um
1: okay cuz I, I if i if i can even
0: remember anything about it to
1: i only have one quip about it and that's it
0: yeah the oh this one's going to be short too um i don't even know if if anyone like even as a casual music historian remembers the band um the union underground who only really had one studio album called an education in rebellion that came out in july of 2000 And um, really, all I can say about this, again, I I listened to this album a couple weeks ago, so um, for better or for worse, this just went in one ear, out the other. And what really stood out, or didn't stand out, about this record is they kind of just sound like the Walmart version of Power Man 5000.
1: Which, kids, go listen to Tonight the Stars Revolt instead. You're going to have a much better time. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, the only thing I really have to say about this thing is it honestly makes me feel like the estate of Scott Weiland should sue because I do not hear I hear more Stone Temple Pilots in this thing than I do Industrial. Like none of this reminds me of Fear Factory or Ministry or Static X, the before mentioned Power Man Five Thousand Nemec. It doesn't remind me of Industrial in the slightest, and it's just musically not interesting enough to justify its existence. And really, there's a reason why this band didn't go far. They didn't have the too-edgy-for-me image of Disturbed at that point when they were touring behind The Sickness, which, fun fact, did you know John Moyer from Disturbed is the bass player on this album? Oh really? Not that you could fucking tell. Um I I was going to say what base. Yeah, it's this is where we get to the point where the production on these albums really starts to I'm not even going to say age like milk. I would say more just ages like the worst smelling cheese possible.
0: Yeah. Like we 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 let you guys um like we, we, we didn't push you deep into the pool um, on purpose because, yeah, some, some of these later records get kind of rancid.
1: Speaking of, unfortunately, we're not listening to rancid, but speaking of things that do sound rancid, every six seconds, saliva a band that you might remember as that one band that did that one song for that PlayStation 3 commercial back in, like, 2008. So their official debut album, to a major label that is, every six seconds, is arguably the most white trying to be heavy but rappy at the same time. Like, for real, I've just kind of got to be honest. Josie Scott is probably the worst vocalist in nu metal. Hard to argue against that. Yeah, because literally his singing just sounds so goddamn nasally that he honestly really does make Fred Durst sound like Bruce Dickinson in comparison. Like, just the singing side of things, he's pretty terrible. The rapping side of things, oh my god. This guy... Who's a really bad rapper? Because I can't think of one off the top of my head. <laughs>
0: um. Hmm. Yeah. No. Nobody's really coming to mind. Um.
1: I, I've got an idea. Josie Scott is so bad; he makes Lil Wayne sound like DMX in comparison. Okay, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's how Josie Scott honestly sounds on this because he's trying too hard to have this tough guy sound in his voice but it literally is just my way. My way. like he literally sounds like that the entire 50 minutes of his record and it's hard to take the guy seriously when you have songs like your disease after me and the worst weezer ripoff i've ever heard in hollywood yeah. Like, this honestly makes any Weezer album from, like, 2005 to 2010 sound like Colony by In Flames. Um, I'm, I'm not hyperbolic there. It, the chorus is literally, I'm carrying the Hollywood, with the, like, even the guitars sound fucking whiny on this thing.
0: Now, I remember we, we talked about this um off-air a while ago. There There was one track on here that sounded like two completely different um, songs just kind of meshed together. Do you remember which song I'm talking about?
1: Yes, but I think it's one of the You albums, though. Oh. Yeah, because uh, the main thing that this album is known for is just Click Click Boom and Your Disease.
0: Which, which are just, like, gross songs in their own right, but not nearly as gross as how we're closing out this show.
1: Oh, well. O- only one other thing. Unfortunately, um, because I have to mention Ginger Snaps in every episode of this podcast from here on out, um, at least none of the songs from this album made it on to the soundtrack for that movie. It was only the one that was independently released, which I- I'm not going near that thing after having to hear this. Totally fair. Yeah, just just our advice, just go watch Ginger Snaps instead. You're going to have a much better time. All right, are you ready for the EU? I, I do not want to have to revisit this fucking thing ever again. Um, so, guys, it is kind of fitting that we pick these two albums as our you category of nu metal, because they actually toured together the year after both of their debut albums released. Um, so, guys... Remember that time period where Tommy Lee tried to rap after he was getting out of prison?
0: Boy, that's a that's that's a loaded statement.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, we're talking about Methods of Mayhem's self-titled debut album, which um, the only footage you can ever find of this wretched piece of garbage is literally it literally just looks like it was shot on bread. I, I'm not even joking. It's barely even 480p. So basically, after leaving Motley Crue in early-ish 1999 and after getting out of jail for assaulting his wife at the time, Pamela Anderson, which related but unrelated, guys, go watch the Pam and Tommy miniseries on Disney+. Plus. It's actually really worth watching and really well made. But thankfully, that series overlooks this thing. Um, so Tommy Lee got the bright idea to do new metal. Um, and I don't mean drum, new metal. I mean rap and sing. and
0: here's and here's the strangest part. Um, if you take a look at the liner notes, this album features guests, guest appearances from George Clinton, Kid Rock of all people. Lil' Kim, The Crystal Method, Snoop Dogg, Fred Durst, and Mix Master Mike.
1: He was clearly trying too hard on this thing. I mean, oh my god, he is not convincing as a rapper. Like, he honestly really... When I was saying that Josie Scott makes Lil' Wayne sound like DMX in comparison, I I have nothing on this. Like, this just sounds... Terribly unconvincing, considering. Considering we know the guy as the drummer for Motley Crue, the sleaziest glam band ba- to basically ever exist. Next to Poison. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But yeah, he literally is writing a song like "Proposition Fuck You," which is trying way too hard to be political and poignant. That it just kind of loses its message at the same time and then then... of course we have to talk about
0: um the lead single get naked which has the um the features that i mentioned earlier
1: yeah well the only fun fact i can mention about this song is as many as many beautiful girls with no clothes on are in that video fred durst is the only one who is clothed because i don't think i don't think the world could have handled having to see tommy lee tilo and fred durst all naked in a music video together i just kind of threw up in my mouth saying that no lie like we're not exaggerating guys this thing makes i was going to say it makes a buck cherry song sound less sleazy in comparison but no this is about on par with that. and that uh, that's that's the other thing too. to harp back on the production, oh my God, this thing is horribly mixed. Um, like, who did this? Fi- Scott Humphrey? Yeah, and he produced Rob Zombie's first two records. And they'll sound great still, but this Tommy Lee, his vocals are so buried in the mix sometimes you can barely understand what he's saying. Not that you'd really want him to.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say.
1: But Mike was basically referencing this earlier. The next single, New Skin, which I remember specific, the more PG music video from this band. I specifically remember my mom trying to change the channel as soon as it would come on as a kid. Oh, God. I I don't at know if I remember she this video. At least she protected me from bad music. I can say that. Um The music video, it's literally just Tommy Lee and the hired guns he got ranging from Stephen Perkins of Jane's Addiction fame to play uh, play drums in the video. I don't know who he got like for guitar and bass, but it's literally just them causing a traffic jam. And then a truck driver has the decency to run Tommy Lee over. Nice. Um, unfortunately, he doesn't run over Telo either. But even the more new metally parts, like on anger management, they're just not heavy, though. Do do any
0: of these riffs like stand out in any way, or are they just kind of generic chugging? Because yeah, that's that. That's really like all the takeaway I can get gain from from the instrumentals
1: yeah it's literally the opening riff of hypocritical from the only live footage you can even see of this band it's literally just tommy lee it looks like it well sounds i should say the guitars sound like they're down tuned to drop c but it's literally him just turning the volume knob up and down Move over, Master of Puppets. We've got an even more technical Rip here. (laughs) And then literally the back half of this album is pretty much just weird industrial techno sections with no real purpose. It just feels like they're just thrown on there and really just sound like crystal method outtakes. And when an album is as short as 36 minutes and still has
0: filler you know it's not worth it.
1: Oh, and one more thing about New Skin, beyond the fact that, you know, Kid Rock is garbage on it, and so is Tilo on the single version. Like, even song structure-wise, it literally makes no fucking sense to me. Like, you have this intimidating industrial section, then you have Tommy Lee trying to rap and sound like a badass on this song, and then it just randomly cuts to this alt-rock chorus.
0: Yeah, this, this 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 was the um the new metal Mad Libs song that I was referring to earlier.
1: Like, it's just you know him trying to sound like this tough badass, trying to sound like, oh yeah, I fuck the baddest bitches all the time. But can you feel how I feel? Like, fuck off. <laughs> this is literally just like, yeah, maybe maybe there was some genuine aspect to it. I guess maybe, maybe it was something Tommy had to get out of his system, but man, the public did not need to hear this. Not in 1999, not in 2022. Uh, Got anything to add, Mike? Because uh, Um, yeah, this is... uh, I'll
0: say, I'll say this. This, this album is more, more or less the main inspiration for this podcast, because while... Well, new metal was a big part of. um, I I can only speak for myself. Like new metal was kind of a huge part of my um, like my um, childhood. Certainly, Um, this is like how I kind of came into the larger heavy metal community. Um, Not all of the the albums were memorable. But this but this was like a a very specific kind of bad and awful that we just had we just had to find an excuse to talk about it.
1: Yeah, and it's just kind of a fascinating piece of 90s history, I guess.
0: Now the difference between this album and um the last one is that if you know anything about about like this era um, of Tommy Lee's career, you know, you know that this was that this was just dead on arrival. Nobody was going to take this seriously, but there is no excuse for for how bad this next record is.
1: Rip the bandit off. We are
0: talking about Crazy Town's um, 1999 uh, debut record, The Gift of Game.
1: Okay, so really, how do we not rip off Todd in the Shadows' amazing takedown of Butterfly or the amazing takedown of the entire record from Luke from Rocked?
0: They they said pretty much everything that needed to be said. Um, so I will just kind of, I will just sort of um, inject my own nostalgia for this record, um, Butterfly. Butterfly is like, I, I feel dirty saying that Butterfly is the best song on this record because the band themselves can't even take credit for it because all this song is is a sample of Red Hot Chili Peppers' Pretty Little Ditty. Um, and, you know, that's, that song's great because the Red Hot Chili Peppers are, were, at least at that time, a really good funk, metal, punk-ish band. Um,
1: and Pretty Little Diddy is Milk like is a better album,
0: <laughs> yeah, easily better than this. But they took they they took that little that little ditty, um, looped it a couple thousand times, wrote some cheesy romantic or what they think are romantic lyrics, and they were an overnight success. Or the song was an overnight success.
1: Oh no, that. This band literally just owes its career to the Chili Peppers, and that's really about it. Because, like, even the Chili Peppers took these guys on tour back then. The only real other thing I can add is just that Butterfly does not sound a thing like this album. Uh Like, if you go in expecting nothing but sappy love songs, Butterfly and the other sleazy song we're talking about on this podcast, Revolving Door... This is not that album. This literally is just garbage. Uh, Mike, the lead-off single to this album, Toxic, care if I do a dramatic reading of some of the lyrics? Go for it. And trust me, this is going to be downright offensive because this person literally died a year before this album came out. So who's the crew with? More hoes than vivid. Lyrics explicit. So fuck the critics. We leave them hanging like in excess. That is an actual line written by Shifty Shellshock, the guy who literally just sounds like a PlayStation 2 video game villain, and <laughs> Brett Epic Mazer, the least epic human being ever. Worst hip-hop name ever. Like, literally, a year after the lead singer from NXS had committed suicide, they put this on the leadoff single to their debut album. If
0: that if that's not the most tasteless like lyric, um it's at least in the top five.
1: Yeah, and a good chunk of this album too, like, it's just so fucking dated. It does not hold up in the slightest. And weird enough, Josh Abraham who produced this, he produced Christ Illusion by Slayer, and he produced Velvet Revolver's first album and Shadow Zone by Static X, and those still sound great. But this thing, it literally just sounds like it's trying. It literally just sounds like Columbia just went, How can we get our own limp biscuit? And what they got
0: instead was
1: sludge. <sighs> Dumpster sludge, that is. Like, seriously, lollipop porn is is gross (laughs) just just imagine the sleaziest butt rock song trying to be somewhat heavy but still rappy possible that's that song like even it because i know crazy town love to espouse how much they're more hip-hop and from the street these guys literally came from rich fucking families and people connected in the music industry already Yes, they they they
0: they're just the opposite of what they think they are.
1: And plus literally shifty shell shock was a model getting acting gigs and getting on magazine covers and was even in, I forget whose music video at that point, but he was in a, it was a big rock band at that point. I have no, idea. I forget who it was, but I feel like I Lenny Kravitz, Len, he was in a Lenny Kravitz video even for fuck's sake. So it's like, You want to act like you're this big tough guy from the street and you're hardcore hip hop? Like, fuck off. And then, and then,
0: less we forget um, the Paul Oakenfield um, song that he rapped on, you know, the
1: one from the Pepsi commercial. Todd in the Shadows kind of put it best. That's the only reason why that guy got another hit was literally not the only, excuse me, not the only hit that wasn't drugs. (laughs) So. Yeah, the only reason that guy got another hit on the charts was literally because it was just sunshine and rainbows and happy times and party. Then you get songs like Dark Side, Toxic, Lollipop Porn, Revolving Door, like, for fuck's sakes, there's a reason why this band never got popular. Mm, Yeah. And also, somehow they managed to rope in KRS-One for a song. How they did that? I will never understand. They must have had to have gotten some really bad dirt on that guy. That's the only way I can even remotely justify it. Ah, uh, Mike, what lyric made you laugh the hardest on the album?
0: Um, some some of the cheesier lines in um in Butterfly. I I'd, I'd say. Give me one. Um, what what was it like? Whatever whatever tickles your fancy.
1: Um, that something like Sid and Nancy. Yeah. Um That's pretty bad, but my favorite has to be the wannabe storytelling part in that girl, Shayla, got a daughter. She'd be clubbing every night. Shayla had her daughter young. Still, that just ain't right. Plus, she rides the white horse. She used to ride my pony. If I hit it now, I'd break it because Shayla's just too bony. Yeah. <laughs> that is so fucking bad. <laughs> uh,
0: uh.
1: Like, one part of he's disgusted, but the other is just going, This got away being on a major label album. I and slipped. you wonder why the next album tanked? Ugh <laughs> uh, bad. Like don't uh- of all the albums we have talked about in this podcast today, guys, this is the one we actually actively recommend you don't. Like, not even as a this is so bad, it's good. This is just, it's so bad, it's fucking terrible.
0: Yeah, you never need to listen to this album, ever. Um, You know, if you have nostalgia for Butterfly, sure, fine, whatever. The rest of these songs, like Toxic, Dark Side, Black Cloud, which
1: Features Jake
0: Gordon.
1: Jake Gordon, I... what the fuck are you doing on half of these albums? Seriously. Um, to kind of expand on your point about Butterfly, though, why would you want to listen to Butterfly when you can just go listen to Blood Sugar Sex Magic or One Hot Minute instead?
0: Yeah, or
1: or Mother's Milk. That's that's actually another underrated one too. Yeah, exactly go listen to any great chili peppers album or any krs one album you never need to hear this
0: now i said i'd i'd unveil the reason why we were rummaging through this bargain bin honestly we're just stalling because our next our next podcast is a deep dive into the early years meaning 1997 to 2003 of pretty much the face of new metal slash rap metal at the time, Limp Bizkit.
1: Yeah. Uh, in Mike's defense, this was my idea. But to be fair, I feel like this is something we can actually add to the conversation about.
0: Yeah, because obviously this was like one of the biggest bands in the world at like during their prime um and because we we both kind of grew up in that era we 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 had there's a lot we can say about these records how how they hold up if they hold up um how much better west borland was um compared to yeah there there's there's a lot that we can get into um but We will save that for next time. Until then, Nick, where can everyone find you online?
1: Uh, I am at Super Saiyan Death Metal God, as Mike mentioned in the intro on Instagram. I mostly post album covers, horror movies, video games, vinyl, just whatever movie I'm watching or whatever album I'm listening to. So go shoot me some binge likes. Also on Twitch at the same name. I'm odd for Catherine Isabel from Ginger Snaps. Come say hi. We'll gift you subs. Say hello. Shoot her a follow. She's awesome. Go follow her.
0: Hell yeah. And you guys can find me on Twitter at Captain K42. You can check out my quick thoughts on letterbox.com slash Coach K42. And you can find me in just all the various Facebook groups just at my name. You can check out Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at Ren Pop Culture. We also have a YouTube channel now. You can also find us on Podchaser, listen to all of our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And last but not least, everything can be found at RenegadePopCulture.com. Need to escape? So do we. That'll do it for this episode of Renegade Jukebox. We will catch you guys later. Peace out.